Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Pei Vav in Ervin. Such a great sugi. We're so lucky to be here. We begin in the middle of Pei Hei on Beis, the Mishnah we already read. Um, we'll say it outside, and then we'll read the Gemara. The basic idea is as follows. We are back to Eruvei Chatzeros for a brief Mishnah. We're going to get back to the, the topic of yesterday a little bit, but not quite in as complicated a fashion. But let's talk about Eruvei Chatzeros and Shitufei Mavos. As we said, a bunch of members of the gated community, right, the Chatzar, they all get together and they all join the Eruv. If an individual does not want to join the Eruv, he is he can, in fact, ruin the entire consortium. He can ruin the Eruv for everybody. Now, in order to have, so to speak, the rights to ruin other people's Eruv, he would need to be literally a resident of the community. Okay? So... That's issue number one. He would need to be a resident. So let's say a person lives in this gated community, but in a cardboard box, kind of like in the courtyard, right? So that's not called a resident of the community. He might personally live in that community, but that's what we call homeless, right? So that homeless individual, so the two things. First of all, if he decides, I don't want to have anything to do with you guys, so that person, he's not going to ruin the air at all. He's not considered an actual full-fledged resident because he doesn't live in a residence in the community. And conversely also, or on the other hand, it's two sides of a coin, the placement of the air of Chatzeros has to be in a residence. The placement of the air of Chatzeros has to be in a residence, such that to put it in this individual's cardboard box where he happens to sleep or on the park bench in this gated community where he happens to live would also not be valid and the air would in fact not be valid. So the air has to be placed in a residence and a person in order, in order to ruin the consortium would have to be one who lives in a residence. So the mission had said uh, different things, what's considered a residence. So it talked about um, how a portico, a gatehouse, a gallery, right, is just like living on the park bench. And then we talked about, fine. And then we talked about how, however, there are certain things that are in, in between where you have like a straw shed, a barn, a woodshed, or a storehouse. It's more common to live in such a residence. And therefore, that's considered a real residence. Um, and then at the very end, Rabbi Huda said, um, that even if somebody, let's say, lives in the woodshed, right? But it happens to be, or somebody lives in the barn. So we said that that's a, a case where it is considered a residence. So again, you can put the Eruv there, and a person who lives there can, in fact, ruin the consortium if he doesn't want to join. However, what's the story? Andrew owns his house, and Andrew also owns a barn. If Andrew actually has use of the barn as well, not just his tenant, but also that's where he keeps his golf clubs. So if that's where he also keeps his golf clubs and he has use of the barn, so now that person no longer who lives there, that tenant, no longer has the power to ruin the air because Andrew has enough jurisdiction, as it were, over that barn that it's really his space to either join or not join the air. So the tenant can't overrule Andrew in that regard with regards to joining the air. Okay. So let's go back to the Gemara because we went a little too quickly yesterday and we'll start. Amar Behuda Beray Direction World Bar Shilas. He made two extra comments on Mishnah that are significant. Uh, he first makes a diuk. The Gemara is going to say this diuk is obvious in the mission. The Gemara is going to answer, well, okay, the diuk is obvious, but the two extra things that he contributes here are significant. So we ran over them yesterday, so let's do a little bit clearer, as follows. So the first thing is the concept that we said, that it's two sides of a coin, that if a person who lives there um, is not considered enough of a resident in order to ruin the Erev, should he want to pull out, then that space is also not valid enough in order to place an Erev there. Both of them have the same criteria, which is it has to be a real residence uh, in order to join the Erev and a real residence in order to get out of the Erev. Fine. Oh, oh Garanowitz. Yeah, I have my T-Mobile life. You know? The T-Mobile. My T-Mobile. I got a life, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, look, uh, the, back with the storm. That's all I got, huh? Garanowitz has his mask. He's back. Garano, the first, we are in Peihei on Bays. We're a little behind Garanowitz. I would love to socialize, but we're going to talk after. We're right after the mission. We started Gamar and pay Hayim and Bays. Garanowitz is back. Teaching us a lesson. Don't ever go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Okay, fine. Yeah, but we sent you to Pittsburgh and you almost never came back. But welcome back, Garanowitz. Unbelievable. Okay, so there is an exception to this idea. Sorry, Andrew. I had my mask on here. I got the mask. That's all I got. So, so there's an exception to this idea. If you have a resident, 
right? Uh, and and that's where you put the, the matzah. There's a, there's a case, actually, where an individual can live in the place such that living in that place is enough of a residence that you can put the Erev there, but he does not have the authority to ruin the Erev. What is that case? Says so let's say you have a gated community, Goranowitz. But so everyone lives in their gated community in their respective houses. But there's also a gatehouse for one. It's the base shar de yachid. Right? The Mishnah had already said that the base shar is is a place where uh, right the, there's one of the cases. I know so there, it's a ruva be base shar. That's how the Mishnah starts. We said that that's not considered a residence at all. But a base shar de yachid, that guy really lives there. Okay, that guy really lives there, and since he lives there, you can put the Arab there. However, however. Uh, right, right. So he says you can't put the air of there, but he can't restrict other people. Why? Because in order to join to restrict other people from the consortium, you got to really be part of the community. You got to be part of the crew. So this guy, when when he's at a cocktail party and he's trying to impress his friends, they ask, "Where do you live?" He says, "I live in a gated community." But does he really live in a gated community? No, he lives in the gate of the gated community. That's a different thing. So he lives in the gate. He can't join the consortium, right? He can't join. He says, Andrew, why can't you react like Aronowitz when he's not here? All right, we'll talk about that later. You can't be by yourself. You got to be part of a group that's showing us, right? That, right. In other words, if you're if you're part, that's right. It's nice to be part of the group, but this guy, with regard, is, is considered a little bit outside of the group with respect to. If he pulls out, then he can't. Oh, so if he pulls, if he doesn't want to be part of the Arab, he's not going to ruin the Arab. But it, but you could put the Arab in his house, so you can learn the Goranowitz muster a different way. Goranowitz, you could say uh, you can you can be part of the group for good. Okay, the group is strong enough. The good. Yeah. So that's the first condition. Second condition is What's this? Like this. Anywhere where we said that you can't put an Erev. So we said, right, in our Mishnah, that you can't put the Erev in the, in the portico. You can't put it in the Merpeset. Those are not residents. However, you could put a Shituf Mavaos there. You could put a Shituf Mavaos there, but you just can't place it in the middle of the street or in the middle of the, right, in the middle of the Mavoi. What's going on here? So again, with regards to Erev Chatseros, just to get our, our head screwed back on here, with regards to Erev Chatseros, you have to put it in a residence, as we've been saying. But with regards to Shituf Mavaos, you don't have to put it in a residence at all. You just have to have it protected somewhere. You just have to put it somewhere where it's not just in the middle of the street where it's going to blow away. That's the only criteria for Shituf Mavaos. A very big difference between where you're going to put the Erev Chatseros and the Shituf Mavaos. Okay. All right, let's let's go on. Okay, my Malan. So the question the Gemara first asks, as we mentioned before, Rabbi Huda is asking, what's Rabbi Huda? Well, the Gemara is asking, what's Rabbi Huda telling us? He's just making a deal in the Mishnah that we already knew. Tanina, we already learned the Mishnah. Right? Those are all the cases where the Mishnah had said it's not an Erev, like the Merpesa, etc. You can't put an Erev Chateros there. Erevu de lo Havi, Hashitu Havi, and the Gemara now is saying that this diuk, even the diuk of the Avir Mavoi could have been inferred from the yeshiva, from the Mishnah. He could have said, yeah, all of these repl- apply to an Erev Chatseros, and I would have known by inference that a sheet of Mavos doesn't have these restrictions. So the Gemara answers that while you could have deduced it, some of the exceptions you would not have been able to do, so so to speak, base Shar de Yachid, the Avir de Mavoi is Trichalei. Right. In other words, the first thing is, the base Shar is a statement that Rebuta made. The guy who lives in the actual gate of the gatehouse, the halacha that he can join the Erev, but he can't ruin the Erev, that is important. And we would not have inferred that from the Mishnah, because the Mishnah had a base shar, but it didn't have a base shar the Yachid. And also Avir de Mavoy, it's Rikhala. You also have to learn Avir de Mavoy, because after all, you might have known that you don't have to put it in uh, the sheet of Mavos in an actual residence, but you wouldn't have necessarily known that it has to be protected. Maybe you would have thought that you don't have to put it in anything at all. You could just kind of leave it on the side of the street. And those are not taught in the Mishnah. It says the Gemara, the Lotznah. Those are not taught in the Mishnah. And therefore, that is where Yehuda was quoting the Mishnah in order to teach us. He made a deal that we could have made on our own, but then he added those two special halachas. And we have a Brisa to support it. Tanya Nami Nachi. We also have a Brisa to teach you that because the Brisa says, Okay, so wait a minute. Whoa. Well, that, that sounds like 
not what we said. It says that if you can put it in the mudway, it's an Erev. What's going on here? So the Gemara is going to sort it out. Don't worry. But that's not an Ainza Erev. Right? Our Mishra says that if you put it in a mudway, if, if, if you put it in any of these places, it's not considered an Erev. So what's going on? So, no, so you have to say that price is not talking about an Erev Chateras, but a Shituf Mavos. As we said, those areas are okay for a Shituf Mavos. But then the problem is that it also had the Mavoy as the final example in that price. So the Gemara asks, Shituf Mavoy lo minter. But wait, you can't put a Shituf Mavos in the actual street. That's not actually protected. It says no. It says the Gemara, no, what the price means is, Say that it's talking about the Chatser of the Mavoy, but not the Mavoy itself. The Gemara was from the second wide line. Amar Behuda, Amar Shmuel. Oh, very interesting case. We're going to see how does this apply to like a condo or a hotel. So let's see. We quoted this earlier with respect to uh, the shituf mavos and the procedure of establishing a shituf mavos. Uh, we're recording it again. If you had a whole condo, a whole bunch of people, they're eating their meal outside in the courtyard. And they're having a festive, whatever, kiddush together. They're making kiddush. They're making a kiddush, like a sit-down kiddush. Wow. The bread on the table in the sit-down kiddush um, can be used as the eruv. And some say they can use it for the shituf mavos. So I'm a rabbi below pligi. So rabbi says the same thing. That's not really machlokas, but it just is talking about two different cases. That those who say that you can some kind of le- that you're some kind of on the eruv chateros. That's when you're in the house. The, the sit down kiddush is in the house. And those who say they can use it for shituf mavos. That's when you're having the sit down kiddush outdoors in the beautiful chater. So Abaye says, I'm going to buy the rabbi. There you go. We have a brisa which says when you do the eruv chateros, you could do so in the actual chater. And you do the shituf mavos, you can do it in the actual mavoi. And Abaye explains, And now when we learn this in the first time, it sounds like very much against everything we're learning, right? Because an Arab chatzeros is supposed to be in someone's house, not in the middle of the chatzer. And the shituf mavos is supposed to be just about anywhere except for the street itself, the mavoi. So what does this statement mean? So we have to amend it as follows. When we learned it, we said, right? We said explicitly in our Mishnah that all those cases, it's not an Erev. So how can you do it in a Chatzar? Right? If it's not good in a Merpes, it's certainly not good in the Chatzar itself. So the Brisa, therefore, is uh, modified as follows, and then it's all going to make sense. Ema, and this was what we know to be the case, to be the Lacha, Ema, Eruv Chatzaris, Bebeis, Bechatzer, in order to make an Eruv Chatzaris, it has to be in a house of the Chatzar, and Shitufim Evaz, Bechatzar, Shabim Avoy. In order to do the Shitufim Evaz, it has to be in the Chatzar of the Mavoy. It has to be in the Right, chater, which is in the mavoi, as long as it's in the chater, so then it would be okay, but it would have to be protected. So what are you teaching us? What are the teaching us? So there's a big, a big For example, when we make the Erev in Baltimore, we're making a shetufe mavos. Right. So it doesn't have to be in someone's residence. If it had to be in someone's residence, you'd have to put it in Rav Heidemann Shulita's house. Right. But because it doesn't have to be in, in someone's residence, they put it in Rav Heidemann Shul. Nobody necessarily lives in Rav Heidemann Shul, right. but that's where it is. It's in Aguda Park Heights. As long as it's protected, it's okay. okay good. See, three lines up. Our mission says, Yudameram so what, what did the Mishnah say? It says that if Andrew keeps his golf clubs in the barn, so then even if there's a, res- a tenant there, Andrew's uh, say in the Erev is intact. So it says the Gemara, Oh, you're going to love this. Oh, you're going to love this. The Gemara says, what, what do you mean golf clubs? What do you mean by, by, by having some, uh, some holding in his residence? Says the Gemara, It's like, oh, it doesn't give the example of Andrew. It gives the example of Bunyas ben Bunyas, very wealthy individual. He once came to visit Rebbe. And Amar Lahu, when Rebbe said to him, Rebbe said, Everybody, let's clear the way for this millionaire. Another man came to visit Rebbe. And Amar Lahu, to him, Rebbe said, Wow, clear the way for this gajillionaire. What's going on? First of all, why is this happening? Rashi, the second to last line on Peheim and Bey says, Bunyas ben Bunyas, Hashir Ava. He was a very wealthy man. 
that he would have a lot of property and he would have a lot of houses, but he would have so much stuff as well that he would have to store his stuff in other people in the houses that he sublet, so to speak, or that he rented out. So that's why it's relevant to us. Anyway, but you have a friend who does that. So the point is now we're going to get into a crazy uh, situation, uh, an unexpected conversation. Rebbe is saying, "Here's a millionaire. Here's a billionaire. He's giving all these kavod to these wealthy people." So I'm really fond of Rebbe Shmuel, Rebbe Yosi. So you would think Rabbi Shmuel Yossi would say, Rebbe, why are you giving cover to these wealthy people? That wasn't the question. The question was, Rebbe, so why are you saying this one's a millionaire, this one's a billionaire? You know that how rich that millionaire is? He's way richer than that billionaire. He has a thousand ships in the sea, and he has and and corresponding thousand islands. Have you ever been to Thousand Island in New York? I've been to. I, I thought it would be beautiful than what? Thousand Island sounds so much better than it is. Amrlo, Rebbe said to him, I mean, it's nice. But, when you reach his father, tell him, he says, he says to him, I understand, you think that Bunyas bin Bunyas is way richer than the second guy, but you got to tell Bunyas, his father, that uh, he should dress his son a little bit better. Because, you know, we have two kinds of wealthy people. You have, like, the, the Rockefellers, who dress, like, super, uh, like, in tuxedos, and then you have, like, the, the new wave millennial Silicon Valley guys who are dressed like uh, hippies. So, yeah, so Bunyas bin Bunyas was dressed like a hippie, so he said, he comes in in his flip-flops and, and a t-shirt, and, he, and that's what Rebbe was saying, saying he didn't dress like a billionaire. So I called him a millionaire, I called the guy who dressed better, but was not quite as Bill Gates-ish. I called him the billionaire, anyway, because he was wearing a tuxedo. Now the Gemara amazingly says, Rebbe Mechabed Hashirim, Rebbe used to give a lot of cover to wealthy people. Rebbe Akiva Mechabed Hashirim, he also used to give cover to wealthy people. Kedadarish Rabba Barmari, like Rabba Barmari said, Yeshev Olam Lutnei Lokim Chesed Ve'emes Min Yitzuru. That's a Pasuk in what? Birnbaum guest Eov, I guessed Mishlai. It's embarrassing, it's Tehillim, anyways. It, so it's a Tehillim. Yeshiv Olam. We play this game. Like, do you recall, remember this pasuk? That was embarrassing. Wow. Yeah. What does the pasuk mean? When would the world settle before Hashem? That's interesting. When Chesed and Emes, people talk of Tzedakah. Okay, go on with Muslim moment. Tzedakah means Tzedek. That's what the way. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? When you give kindness and ample things for people who need it, right. that actually Yinsiru means preserves. That preserves the world. The preservation of the world. So, yeah, so it's not just giving covered to people for being wealthy and, and managing to make a lot of money. Right. It's giving covered to the fact that they're actually distributing the money. Only when they're distributing their money properly, right. okay, right. can, then, then you're going to get that kind, that actually upkeeps the world. Everybody, everybody, everybody gives daf and the arskol. Everybody quotes the Rebbe Kiva Eger that's over here. Wow. That quotes the Gilead Nashas and the Kutim Aril in the name of Maram Segal. That what? The idea was over here that why was Rebbe giving why? this covered? to rich people, an unbelievable thing. He gave covenant to rich people because he wanted to avoid getting covered for being Rebbe. After all, he was a Talmud Chacham. So he, the Talmud Chachamim and Rav Shalom Rosner, if we have time at the end, which is unlikely, we'll talk about different stories of Chazal where they were so incredibly careful, right? When you have somebody who's Rabbi so-and-so, so he has a lot of clout, right? He could, in theory, get what in Israel is called protexia, right? He could, in theory, get preferential treatment for the fact that he's the Rabbi of the Shul. But the Chazal were very, very careful not to do that. So it's a weird application of it with Rebbe, very unusual. He would rather, he himself was wealthy, he would rather be known as wealthy and get credit for just the fact that he was a good businessman and sort of distract, right, to sort of distract from the fact that he's, to throw people off the scent of, in lieu of getting covered um, for being a Tamachacham. Because he was very nervous, did not want at all to be uh, known as a Tamachacham and to get preferential treatment. The story is told, tell just one of the stories, Rebbe Tarfon was in fact abducted, one of the Gemaras. And while he was abducted, he was literally in a sack being carried, and he said, you know, I'm Rebbe Tarfon. And the abductor, right, the villain, let go right away. He was terrified. He's like, this was, I didn't realize, he didn't realize that he had taken Rebbe Tarfon. It was an accident. And Rebbe Tarfon, his whole life, was upset because he had used, so to speak, his name and his clout to get out of what anybody would have done anything to get out of. But even if it was to get out of an abduction, he was very, very uncomfortable, right, with using his name. So you see the humility of a true Rav not to use, not to lord over other people with their tremendous um, tamachacham. Anyway, amazing. Okay.
So now back to the halacha regarding um, Andrew's golf clubs. Is go- what, what are good examples of things that Andrew could keep in his barn with his tenant that would still retain right, his rights over there? So let's say Andrew's plow. If he keeps only the peg of the plow, that's enough to retain the rights of the said barn. Gemara says, so what wouldn't be? So Amar of Nachman, Tanah Shmuel, Davar HaNitol B'Shabbos, O'Yisair, Davar She'enon Nitol B'Shabbos, Eino Oser. Ah. It has to be something that would actually be left there on Shabbos, in other words. It has to be something that you can't move in order to establish a residence. If it's some, if he's keeping like his Shabbos bowl, right, in, in there, and then on Shabbos he takes it away, so then that's not establishing enough residence. That's what it means, right? A Nitol B'Shabbos Oser. It means that the person who lives there can actually oser the Erev because Andrew doesn't have enough jurisdiction. He's keeping something that he's going to take away. But the golf clubs, he's not going to play golf on Shabbos, so those would be okay. Or anything else that you would say that he's not going to move, um, either because it's Muktzah, or it's because it's something he never moves, or it's because it's too heavy to move. But whatever the reason is that it's going to stay there over Shabbos, that would be Eino Oser, which means that would enable Andrew to join um, that person on behalf, enough jurisdiction that even if the person who lives in the barn wanted to ruin the air, he did not have the uh, authority to do that. And to support that, we have a Brisa, Tanya, Namahachi, Yeshel Tevel, Yeshel Ashashis, if the owner has Tevel, so that's, right, that's uh, food, that's produce that didn't have Meiser yet, so he's not moving that. Right, So the devil is a good example of something where, right, physically, inherently, the food is certainly something you could use on Shabbos because you can't take off mice on Shabbos and because you're not going to move it as, as a consequence of that. So whatever, um, practically, you're not going to move, that is going to be considered enough to create a jurisdiction there. Okay, so we, it's 5.58 a.m. It's not yet 6 o'clock. We're doing the Mishnah now on Pei and Dalaf, and we're going to get to back to a topic similar to what we learned yesterday, but we're going to hopefully go through it with some pace here because... This is not, not too bad. Oh, no, this is not. We have one more mission, a tiny little mission before we get to that. So here we go. So we already learned this, so this is going to flow. This has to do with the Erechatera. Somebody who left his house went to spend Shabbos in another town. This is, we're about to learn the most classic uh, daughter-in-law Gemara of all time. Don't tell your daughters-in-law about this Gemara. So, so again, this is, a, this is a significant case. The person's not going to be in town. Does he ruin the Erev by not being there? Whether he's a Jew or not. Let's see. So that's a problem. According to Rabbi Meir, if you didn't join the Erev and you're out of town, everybody in the consortium is out of luck. You can't use Erev. So that's Rabbi Meir's sheet. Rabbi Huda Oimer, Eina Oser. That it's not a problem. That only the people who are actually physically there for Shabbos, that's the only people who need to be in on this Erev. So Rabbi Yossi, Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Nachri Oser, Yisrael Eina Oser. A hybrid sheet, that if a guy is went, went out of town, then it is a problem. But if a Jew went out of town, it's not a problem. Why? She ain't Derek Yisrael, love of Because if a Jew went out of town, he's out of sight, out of mind. He's not part of this group because he's away for Shabbos. He's not coming back. The problem with the with the guy is that he could he travels on Shabbos. He could come back anytime. He's always pulling up on Shabbos. Like when DJ came to visit me in, in Israel, my friend from Orthodox school. He came twice, all, every time. He showed up with his caravan on Shabbos day, making a commotion. So, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon says that even if a Jew went to spend Shabbos where? In the same city, but a different chaser, with his daughter, so what the Kiddush of Rabbi Shimon is, is that as long as Right, you're out of the community, even if you could walk back. So this is the most mekil shita in a sense, right? Because we said the reason, right, the reason why Rabbi Yossi said that a nachri is oyster is because he's going to come back. Rabbi Shimon says, even a Jew who could come back, right? He's staying in the Cheswold area with his daughter, but he lives, right, on Falstaff. So he's really in town, in the Chatzar, so theoretically he could come back, and therefore his non-contribution to the Arab could ruin the Arab. But now he's by his daughter, he's going to stay there. So even if he could come back, it's okay. The Jew's not going to come back. He's going to stay there for Shabbos. And therefore, wherever he set up his residence for Shabbos, we, we assume that that's where he is. And he's not going to ruin our error by his lack of participation. Why? Shekvar hisiami libo. Because already he dismissed any thought of coming back. Well, that's where he's going for Shabbos. He's by his daughter on the other side of Baltimore. And that's fine. So I'm a Rav. Rav says, Allah is like Rabbi Shimon. If you go to your daughter for Shabbos on the other side of Baltimore, you're not going to ruin the error. We're considering that you're not going to come back. However, says Rav, Dafka Bito. That's only if you go to your married daughter. Avabno, lo. But if you go to your married son, uh uh-uh. uh. 
Oh, why? The Amr Inshi, I'll say it outside first and I'll read it inside, because your daughter is going to always be welcoming to you. See, the woman is, runs the house. So the daughter likes her, her pop there, and she's going to always be welcome. You can feel comfortable all Shabbos long. Your son, he has no say at all. He's married to a woman, and whatever she says, whatever she says goes. This daughter-in-law may not uh, care for you as much. In fact, it's likely she won't. It's all about whether, what the woman really? wants in the house. Look at the Lashon of the Gemara, the Amr Inshi, for people say, Navach b'chalba ul, navach b'guryasa puk. It means if a male dog barks at you, meaning your son, then so if your daughter, right, is the one where you're going for Shabbos, so even if her husband doesn't like you, right. you can go in. It doesn't matter. His bark is worse is, is worthless. It's worse than his his bark is worse than his bite. You just go in, you'll be fine. But if your son marries a girl that doesn't want you there and she barks at you, pook, you better get out of there. Okay, I thought you'd like that. Unbelievable life lessons here. Okay. Yeah. It's not quite the seven habits, but it is a, it is a life lesson there. Okay, so Mishnah. Bor, okay, now we're back. Whew, back to yesterday's topic. Here we go, but we're going to fly here. Bor, Shemen, Shtei, Chazeros. So you have a bor between two Chazeros. We mentioned it earlier. You have, it's partially in one and partially in the other. Ein memalin memenu b'Shabbos. You can't get water out of it on Shabbos. Why can't you get water on Shabbos? Rashi. Shazem memalin m'shosh Chavero. Right? So basically it's a case, again, where we said there's no, there's no error between these two Chazeros. Who are the two people living in these two Chazeros? Did you know Goranowitz? In this particular case, I don't know if you were aware, it's Andrew and Barry. So Andrew and Barry, they have this bore between them. We mentioned it yesterday. They can't take from each other's wells, so to speak. There's one well in between them. And the problem is they can't take from each other because you can't, because they didn't make an error. However, there's a way that they can do it. They're going to make a partition in the actual well, and therefore each one takes from their own side of the well. And that is in fact allowed. It's a machitza, a proper asarit machitza. Now, where is this machitza? So the Mishnah says, Either it's down below within it's the lip of the well. We'll see what this means. Sounds like a, um, it sounds like a song. Bichamai says um, that the, the partition has to be down below. We'll see what that means. It has to be above. We'll see what that means. That uh, whatever this mechitza is, it doesn't have to be more effective than the wall that's already between the two chatzeros. We'll see in the Gemara what all of this means. You look at Rashi, Rashi's like, wait for the Gemara. This is not going to make any sense unless you wait until you read it in the Gemara. Okay. So let's see. Now, just so you understand what's going on here, this is not a physical division of the well, right? To have an actual wall that physically divides the well, that's the equivalent of having two separate wells. That would, of course, be okay. What's happening here is Chazal are being naked with water, as we have said in the past, that as long as there is the appearance of a division, uh, in order to serve as a heter, so to speak, in order to serve as a reminder that you're supposed to have an air here, that's going to be enough in order to enable to allow Barry and Andrew to draw from the respective sides of the well. And it's just a question of which so- the question of what would be a proper heker. So we're not talking about pesukim or right from anywhere as sources. This is Chazal and sort of like Machloksin as to what would Chazal agree to as a threshold of enough of a heker to allow this well to be used from both sides, uh, from the chazeres on both sides. So let's dig in. Amar Avuna. Lamata lamata mamish, lamala 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 mamish. So of course. I hate to ask you, but that daughter wall, does that really apply today? <laughs> oh my gosh. Does that really um, apply because. Uh-huh. Well, I can tell you from personal experience that you have to keep, if you like your daughter in law, my, my wife always says that if your son gets married, yeah, you could be nice to your son, but who you really need to be nice to is your daughter in law. If you could befriend your daughter in law and you're on good terms, then Baruch Hashem, it could be beautiful. We're very lucky to have that situation. Uh, and so that's a true blessing. So if someone has that relationship, as we uh, feel like we do, it's a, it's a blessing indeed. Because if you don't, then you're, you're in trouble. Amar Ravuna. Now, there's a machlokas Ravuna and Rabbi Yehuda as to what this Lamala and Lamata means. So, in order to understand it, you have to, it's, easy, it's easier if you look on in the art scroll and you'll see the figures uh, over here. So, the figure on the left column above is going to be Ravuna. Ravuna explains that Lamala, right, it's hard to understand, but you have to see it in the Mepharshim, as Rashi explains, in the Ritva, you have to see like this. Look at what's going on here. You have a cistern, and let's say it's half filled, okay? So Ravuna's explaining, this is what the Machlokas Beisil Beit Shammai is, that 
Who said who said what? Beishamai said Lamata, Beishil said Milmala. So Beishil holds Lamala means as follows. It's just what's more of a heker. And you can understand what the machlokas is according to Rabbi because it's like this. Um, I meant, I meant Ravuna. We can understand what Ravuna means as follows. According to base Hillel, the partition has to be closer to the surface because that's where it's visible, right? Neither partitions here are inside the actual water, as you can see in the figure. But, but what's happening is, according to Beishamai, the partition is right above the water, so that you can see that the partition is actually, so to speak, splitting the water, but it's a, you have to look a little down into the system to see it. And according to Beis Hillel, it doesn't have to touch the water at all, but it has to be above, on sort of like the surface level of the bore, in order for people, for that to be more visible, even though it's less abutting, less up against the water. That's from Machlokas Beishamai Beis Hillel, according to Reb Huna. Reb Amar Lamata Lamata Min Hamayim. Oh. So that's the figure immediately below it. Where according to Rabbi Huda, he actually holds that Lamata means submerged in the water, creating a partition, but not, as we'll see, a full partition. It's literally submerged to show we're really breaking up this water. And Lamala is basically Rabbi Huda's uh, Lamala's, Rabbi Huda's Lamata, right? Where Lamala means right above the surface of the, not the cistern, but above the surface of the water. And that's Lamala. Okay. So now we're going to question Rabbi Huda. I'm the Rabbi Huda. I'm the Delow, what is the idea of submerging matamamish? What's the idea of submerging the actual mechitza in the water of the cistern itself? Darive maya. In other words, what would be the point of that? Now you can't see the partition, and it's so submerged that the water above it is still flowing. And so, if you were to say that it's to physically separate the well, that would be one thing. But we know that that can't be the case, because, after all, if you did that, then there'd be no shiloh, right? So, the water is still flowing from side to side. So, what's the point, according to view, of submerging this partition? Right? So, we say, the matamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamam
Right? So that's what's going on here. That's the machlokas, as Rashi explains, Bichamai, need the machitza to be mafsekes all the way down. Beisilel, just need a hekar. So that ends up being the machlokas, Beisilel, and Beishamai, because you're going to say, if it has to touch the water, so again, it has to, according to the shita, that it has to touch the water, it has to at least submerge a little bit into the water. According to the shita, that it, that it's submerged in the water, it has to stick out a little bit in the water. So what basically you're learning is that either way, you need a hekar. You need to be able to see it. But you, but the machlokas would be, does it have to, as part of the hekar, does it have to just separate the water a little bit? Because after all, Right? If it's not even touching the water, maybe it's not enough of a heck air because you won't even associate what this thing is doing here with the fact that it's supposed to be splitting up the, the water. Maybe you need to have a little bit of a submerging in the water to, you know, send home the point of why you're splitting it up. So, that which Rabbi Huda said, uh, so what's going on here with Rabbi Huda said? Rabbi Huda, as we said over here, in, um, made, made the, fo- the final uh, statement, right? That it has to be, um, Right, So let's say you have between the two chatzers like an archway over the water crossing across the cistern. So what does that mean? Right? So Rabbi Huda said that if you have a korba, arba, this is going to be now uh, talking about a different case where you're talking about a chorva. And we said that when you have a korah that's four, it's fucking wide, that allows you to carry in a room. We're going to see how that works. Under the korah you can carry. Why? Rav Nachman Amar Bar Ravua. And Rav Nachman said the name of Ravua as we turn to Tevavim Beis at the symbolic time of 6.13 a.m. Korah Arba Materes B'mayim. It's really six fourteen. Uh, a kara that's four fucking wide. That's above the ma'im allows you to draw water in the chater. So wait a minute, what's going on here? Okay, we're about to explain uh, the halacha of Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah. But first, we're saying two statements that he said. The first one is not necessarily relevant to us. The first one has to do just with a four fucking wide beam allowing you to carry a chorva in a ruin. But the second one is exactly our issue that if you have a four fucking wide beam parting the two chateros instead of the a thing that we said before, which was like the board inside the cistern. Now we're talking about like an archway above the cistern. That archway would allow both Andrew and Barry to, pour, to take water out of it. How so? Yeah. The Gemara asks, wait a minute. How does this work with the Korah? The bucket, just because you have a beam over this, you could still, if Andrew sticks in his bucket, it could go to, the, to Barry's side and vice versa. That's the very thing we were trying to avoid. Umaisi. And you could bring, and Barry could bring water from Andrew's chatzar. How could Korah be the valid partition? The Gemara answers, Kimlu Rabbanan, the Ainbli Fachim. There was an assumption of the rabbis that a bucket that's brought to brought out doesn't go more than four tefachim. Therefore, once the board is four tefachim or more, it's going to obviate this concern of getting from the other side of the chatzer, getting the water from the other side of the chatzer, and therefore the bucket itself will not extend beyond it. And so, just by virtue of having this beam, that's enough of a deterrent and enables Andrew and Barry to get from their respective sides of the well. However, says the Gemara, What are you saying? The water itself. Okay, so Andrew and Barry are going to keep to their sides, but the water itself beneath certainly does mix. We know that the Chazal made special dispensations with water. They allowed it. That even though the water mixed, just the fact that we have this appearance of a partition is going to be enough to allow us to draw water because water is the elixir of life. We need to have coolers by water. We want to be able to access water on Shabbos. That's what Rav Tavi asked once for Rav. Right? So getting back to the Mechitza's Tuluyos, he said, are you allowed, if you have, let's say, what's a mechitza pluya? It means that it's actually a mechitza, but from the top. It doesn't extend all the way down to the floor. So is that going to be allowed in a, in a chorva to carry on either side of it? So I'm going to lay, ain mechitza pluya mataras ela be mine. That if you have a mechitza that's pluya, which means the mechitza's up in the air, it's only going to be allowed to carry water. So kal hushi kil chachamim be mine. Chazal were willing to be makele when it came to water. Geronowitz, maim is taira. Maim is chai, maim is taira. When it comes to taira, if it's going to help you learn, you can use your T-Mobile phone to wake yourself up. Two dots, eight lines down. Honor Rabbi Yehuda, like the Hamechitza. So, what was this last thing Rabbi Yehuda said that you can have that the this partition that we just uh, spent a lot of time describing does not have to be more effective than, let's say, a wall that's already between the chateros? So, Rabbi Yehuda holds that that wall itself divides the water enough. You have a wall between the chateros and you have the cistern in between. That wall is enough of a hecker. You don't need to do this extra shtick of the plank inside the 
a blank inside the cistern as follows. Amar Rabbi Baruchan Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yehuda Bishitas Rabbi Yosi Amra. Rabbi Yehuda was referring to the Shitas of Rabbi Yosi. Amar Mechitzas Tluyos Materas Afilu Biyabasha. Rabbi Yosi, in fact, said that this idea of Mechitzas Tluyos, he was against what we had said before in the name of Rav. Rabbi Yosi, in fact, held that even on dry land you can have the Mechitzas Tluyos. Where do we learn that? It's not what Masechet Masechet Sukkah. Bezat Hashem will get there. Hamishal Shol Tfanis Milmalo Mata. If you have sukkah walls from the top down, Bezman Shagvos Minar Shloshet Fachim Psula. Obviously, if it's more than the um, Andrew single three tuck them off the ground, then it's going to be possible, right? Because we could right? We could say animals can get down there. Mean mata lil mala in gavarsar tuck them Certainly, if you're building it from the ground up, so for a sukkah, ten tuck walls are enough. Rabbi Yosi Omer Kashem Shimil mata lil mala sara kach mil mala lil mata sara famous sheet of Rabbi Yosi that even if it does not reach the ground, as long as the walls are ten tuck long, we allow mechitzas tliyos even for a sukkah. So the Mar is going to say, yeah, but Lohi, Lord Rabbi Yehuda, Savalak Rabbi Yosi, Lord Rabbi Yosi, Savalak Rabbi Yehuda. You're going to say that Yehuda's statement, they have, let's say, this archway over the cistern, that that is a reflection, no pun intended, of the Rabbi Yosi uh, Shita that Bechitos Kliyos are good even on dry land. Perhaps that's not so. The case of the Sukkah and the case of the cistern are not, in fact, so um, comparable as follows. The Mar says, perhaps Rabbi Yehuda, Lo Savalak Rabbi Yosi, Ad Kam, Lokam Rabbi Yehuda, Ela Be'iru Vechater Tarbanan. Perhaps Rabbi Yehuda only allows this archway above the cistern to work as a mechitza because th- this is all, as we had said, issues derabanan. Aval sukkah daraisa lo, but he would not be so bold as to apply the halacha to a sukkah, which is a chiyot daraisa. And conversely, v'lo rabbi yosi sevalak rabbi yehuda ad kamal kamar yosi yelav sukkah the isra sehu. Perhaps rabbi yosi would only allow these mechitzos teluyos to work in a sukkah because after all, that's not an iser lav. That's not an actual right prohibition. That's just an isra say. In other words, if you if the sukkah isn't kosher, right, you didn't do an avera, right, you're not going to have to bring a korban chatas for that, perhaps, but you're just going to what? You violated an assay, you missed out on an opportunity of the mitzvah, but it's not quite as chamor as having to do an assay, even if it all be at a derabanan, as it says, about Shabbos, the isra skila who lo amar. But on Shabbos, now it's interesting, he says isra skila. Now, isra skila, that, that would be true of of um, of a deraisa, but the point is the fact that it's a derivative of what would otherwise be an iser deraisa because it's an iser. So then that would be in fact more chamer, and, and therefore even though Rabbi, right Rabbi Yossi would allow by sukkah, perhaps he wouldn't allow this Rabbi Huda shtick of having the archway across it. Okay. But what are you going to do with this Rabbi Yossi saying that he doesn't allow mechitzas tluyas on Shabbos? What are you going to do with what once happened in Tzipori? We were going to do my daughter Tzipori's bat mitzvah in Tzipori. Anyway, Tzipori is a beautiful city. Alpi mi who, what was this Maestro Tzipari, and whose authority was done? Who else would have allowed it if it weren't for Rabbi Yossi? After all, Rabbi Yossi was the chief rabbi of Tzipari at the time that this incident took place. Are you curious as to what the incident was? We have a couple of minutes, the Gemara's going to say, what was the incident? Lo alpi Rabbi Yossi, el alpi Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Yossi Nasa. First of all, before we tell you what the story was, we'll tell you that it wasn't necessarily Rabbi Yossi, uh, as we had already seen, that when Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Rabbi Yossi, took over for Rabbi Yossi, he reversed some of his rulings. They didn't have exactly the same exact shitas on everything. So this story that happened in Sipari may not have necessarily been a reflection of Rabbi Yossi. It may have actually been that Rabbi Shmuel uh, reversed it afterwards. And so what was the incident? As follows. Everybody, I see Dan is at the edge of his seat, so I'll tell you the story. <laughs> he asked, the Chiyasa of Dimi, Yamar, when Dimi famously came from Eretz Israel to Babel, he told the following story. Sipari's in Israel. So he says the following story of what happened in Israel. One time, they didn't have a Sefer Torah in Sipari. Can you imagine with all the, right, we have all these uh, uh, Chazal there. And we have stories where they didn't have an air, they didn't have a sefer fine. So they didn't know what to do. So the following day, they made these makeshift mechitzas. They spread linens on posts, and they made like a makeshift like walkway. They view sefer Torah of a carbo, and through this walkway that they made, they were able to bring the sefer Torah. They didn't have issues of carrying because they made makeshift mechitzas as like a path for the Sefer Torah from the, to the shul, and they're able to read. Gemara is, in, is in, incredulous. Parsu, they spread sheets. Who says you can spread sheets on Shabbos? You can't make an Ohel Arayi Shabbos. You can't construct Mechitzos on Shabbos. What is going on here? 
The Gemara says, no, Wow, they were so fortunate. They had this conundrum with the Sefer Torah, and sure enough, they found sheets spread on posts, like ready mechitzas, ready to be used for this alleyway, and they used that, they took advantage of it, and they brought the Sefer Torah through this makeshift corridor, and they read from it on Shabbos. But the point is, right, that Rabbi Yossi, or his son, as it were, um, allowed these sheets as mechitzos. And so it is, in fact, a reflection of the fact because these sheets were hung and they didn't touch the ground. So the fact that they were able to be used for mechitzos in this particular case shows that they held that mechitzos klios does work for Shabbos. Let's see if we can stop here. Are you allowed to touch anything if, if it's, if it's uh, not anything. That's, that's complicated. We're going to have to